Hello and welcome to Father Time. I'm Matt McBrayer and with me is Chase Green. How are you doing, Chase? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. This is season two, episode four. And uh, we've been talking about the season is uh, where all the godly men today will be talking about uh, enduring manhood. This is going to be a two-part uh, series here. Um, but uh, I, I need to make an announcement before we get started. And that is, um, you know, we uh, uh, have been on here clearly with uh, Scott Kane for some time since the beginning of uh, Father Time. Um, but uh, when we're getting together and we're doing these episodes, uh, we have varying schedules. It's hard for us all to get together. Uh, but our co-host, Scott, uh, is the busiest of the three of us, and it's pretty clear that he is. And um, we have all had to work hard at getting together and producing these episodes. And regretfully, uh, Scott's schedule has ramped up, and he can no longer uh, be on the Father Time podcast. And so we know that uh, you'll miss him on here. Our understanding is that Scott will uh, still be a part of the network uh, with a show that will be more conducive to his busy schedule. Um, we're thankful for Scott and all he's done for father time. He's uh, done a good job. And matter of fact, he's uh, prepared much of what we're uh, talking about for the next two episodes. And, uh, he's done a great job this season with, uh, preparing, uh, for every episode we've had this season. Uh, so, uh, with regret, we will be recording the remaining two episodes in his absence and, uh, know that we'll be looking forward to seeing what other content he might, uh, produce in the future, whether, uh, podcast or otherwise. Uh, but you know, um, we, uh, we must, uh, press on here. We, uh, tried so many things to get Scott on here. You know, um, Chase was suggesting some AI, you know, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe getting Scott on here via AI. Uh, the technology is not quite there to produce a Scott Kane voice it's not there yeah. um and show must go on though so yeah yeah and the budget's not here for scattered abroad evidently so um all right so let's, let's get on. we do appreciate scott yeah. very very much oh yeah yeah uh sorry to interrupt you there all right let's jump in here uh this season of course we're all the godly men that's the question and uh let's talk about enduring manhood and this is um uh part one of two and so we've been looking at some of the heroes of faith from Hebrews 11. And uh, there are some unnamed heroes here in Hebrews 11. And I'd like to talk about that for just a second. In Hebrews 11, verses 33 and 34, there's two phrases here uh, talking about uh, people that aren't mentioned by name. But uh, some references here of, from uh, the book of Daniel, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, who stopped the mouths of lions. That's a phrase. Another one is quench the violence of fire. Um, and you know what? We we don't even have to name who those people are because you already know them, right? They it's it's infamous. You know what happened in those things, so in those instances. And so they don't even have to be mentioned by name. And so let's talk about uh, these guys. Today. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of good stuff from uh, the book of Daniel. Um uh, I'm going to tell you right now that, um, you know, as, as Scott has been going through and doing all this up to this point, and he, uh, like I said, he's um, uh, heavily, um, he, he wrote this outline uh, for us. I had to tweak some things because, you know, I'm not Scott Kane. I'm just not. 
And uh, so uh, I, uh, uh, we've changed a little bit to this episode, but um, uh, thankful for what he put into it because that's that's what we're we're gleaning from is a lot of work that he put in. And so, without further ado, let's make some good points here uh, from from the scripture. Uh, there's a just a, a few things I want to mention here. Number one is uh, that godly men, and, and of course we're we're trying to remember that this is all about dads here we're talking about dads and uh, you know we're father time want to have bible time with the kids but you need to lead your family and that's where we're at the season uh so godly men you know what they do like we see here in daniel chapter one they stand out from the crowd so let's look at some things chase at any point in time you know feel free to stop me uh, and uh, as we're looking through this, but if you got your Bibles, open up your Bibles. You may not have them. You may be driving down the road right now, but uh, just just if you can, open up your Bible with me, and let's look at some things. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 and following, it says, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring in certain of the children of Israel, even of the seed royal and of the nobles, youths in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, and endued with knowledge and understanding, uh, understanding science and such had as had an ability uh, to stand the king's palace, and that he should teach them the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them daily portion of the king's dainties and of the wine which he drank, and that they should be nourished uh, three years. That at the end of thereof they should uh, stand before the king. Uh, so, you know, all this being said. Uh, you know, before we get into the main part here, you've got these young men, and um, there's something different about these young men. Um, they, of, of course, they're you know, some are from noble blood, but uh, they stand out from the crowd. Why, mm-hmm. you know, they they they're it's they they have knowledge, they have understanding, they're they're wise people, and so at, at this point in time, these are the cream of the crop. They are the best of the best. Now, when I go ahead, Chase, you have something? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say I've got written down here for verse four. Well-rounded. I mean, these yeah. these guys are well-rounded, um, and you know, as fathers, hopefully, we all desire for our our children to be well-rounded. And I think that there's a place for us to even emphasize them being well-rounded in in uh, matters that are of less importance as well as, and most importantly, the matters of spiritual importance. I think we want our children to be well-rounded when it comes to a a good, solid education, um, the ability to get along with people and uh, befriend people so that ultimately, what can they do? Hopefully evangelize uh, people that they know. And and I think uh, this verse 4 here is a perfect example of some goals that we could set for our our young people as far as being well, well, uh, well-rounded is concerned. You know, it even talks about how they were good looking. And, uh, of course that's probably the least important thing in this verse. Right. More like you and less like me. Right well, there. I don't know about that. But <laughs> I, I was bragging on, uh, on, uh, Matt's beard earlier, but, um, it talks about how they were gifted in wisdom, uh, the possessing of knowledge and, and they were witty. They were able to understand, they uh, had the ability to serve in the king's palace. You know, we need to teach our, our young people to have a good work ethic and to be willing to work and able to work. That's something that I think a lot of us sometimes miss 
And, you know, as a father, I want to teach my son and, and my daughters in, in ways that they can uh, contribute as well, things that they need to be working on uh, for life. And then also uh, it says that uh, they even were able to learn the language and the customs, the literature, et cetera, of the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, uh, where they were going to be living. So well-rounded. I think that's, that's important for us to highlight there. Yeah, and that just reminds me of what, you know, Paul said, you know, I became all things to all men that I might save some, you know, that's that's this thought process. You need to be able to be uh, somebody that can get along with a lot of different people. And uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a big deal. Kind of like a a jack of all trades. We want our young people to know a a little bit about a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. All right, let's look at some other uh, verses here going along. So, of course, we got the verse five, and they're not going to, you know, they've got the the king's dainties here. This is this is supposed to be good food, okay? This is not like just disgusting stuff. This like, is supposed to be great. Hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, they they've got the good the good chef cooking it up. All right, so um, verse verse six. Now, among these were the children of Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, of course, you know, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're going to pop back up right there with those names. Yeah, I prefer but, their I prefer their Hebrew names. Yeah, they sound they, better anyway, and they're not they, towards gods, right, <laughs> false they gods. Give, they give glory to the true God. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, which I think, you know, too, there's a lot in a name, isn't there? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, we, we have named our children um, in – thinking about that you know there's a lot in a name and uh they these men they had good godly names and um yeah no, it's it's good stuff all right let's let's move on here verse seven so the prince of the eunuchs gave names unto them unto daniel he gave the name belteshazzar unto hananiah shadrach and to mishael uh, uh meshach and to azariah abednego but daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's dainties nor were the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not devile, defile himself. All right, so uh, let's stop right there. Uh, verse 8 is uh, pretty important for us, and let's uh, think about a few things here. Uh, but um, first of all, he purposed in his heart. Um, that reminds me of Ezra 7.10 a whole lot, doesn't it? You know, Exactly uh, what I had written down. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Oh man, you know, yeah. you you've got to love that, right? You know, but what does that mean to purpose in your heart? You know, there's a lot of ways we could say it. Um, get a game plan, right? Make up your mind, you know, determine, be determined that hey, I'm right. going to I'm gonna stick with this, I'm going to set the standard in my home as the spiritual leader of my home, that's what we should all be striving for. And uh, if we haven't made that determination in our heart where it, where it starts through training our heart with God's word, then we're going to end up setting, setting ourselves up for failure. Right. Yeah. No, we, we've got to make sure that we've got a game plan, know what you're going to do. Um, I know in the past I've been ridiculed for this, um, but it's just absolutely true. And I don't really care. Anybody can make fun of me. You can write in the show notes here or whatever, you know, uh, new comments uh, about this. It's not going to bother me. It's still the truth. Um, but you can determine that you're not going to sin and you can keep yourself from sin. 
Um, maybe not all sin altogether, but like specifically, you can say, "Hey, look, I'm I'm just not going to do this." I've I've mentioned this before. Look, I'm not I'm not going to cheat on my spouse. I just know I'm not. You know why? I want to keep myself out of situations in which I'm going to make sure I'm not going to do that. Yeah, um, I mean, in that in that regard, I, th- I think of Joseph. Right. I mean, yeah. He was, he was obviously determined because when that that situation presented itself, he took off the other direction. He was yeah. not going to allow himself to uh, be tempted by that. Yeah, he got out of there. He ran, you right. know. Uh, so when the you keep yourself from that position as much as you can, and then when you're in that situation, then run. Get out of there, you know. Um, and we can do that. You know, we can really think about those things. We can know when we're in those situations. Uh, maybe one sneaks up on us here and there, but keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. But you got purpose in your heart. You got to have a game plan. Um but then the next part here, he purposed in his heart what? That he would not defile himself. Now, specifically, this is talking about the food. And, um, you know, uh, we could get into a long uh, conversation about what exactly this means. Is this meat that, you know, um, that has been uh, forbidden to the Jews? Is this meat that's undercooked? You know, like, you know, and, and aside from all that. That, you know, whatever the case, whatever the exact point is here, we know that this was not what they were supposed to be doing. Whatever, whatever this exactly was, they would be defiling themselves by eating it. And so Daniel says, look, look, no. Now, I kind of get the idea here that Daniel is uh, the leader of this pack here for this very reason, um, because you know, here all these young men are mentioned, and it's Daniel that takes the lead here. No, I'm, we're not going to do this. Um, now, um, going on, now I'm going to kind of, you know, for time's sake, just kind of uh, show some things here that um, are mentioned here in the uh, in the passage. Uh, but, you know, they, they go, they get the, the, uh, uh, the prince of the eunuchs, you know, uh, they talk to him, they get some permission and, and look at verses 12 and 13 with me. Uh, so they're, they're going, Hey, look, we don't want, we don't want to do this. Here's, here's, uh, here's an alternative. So um, verse 12 and 13, prove thy servants. I beseech thee 10 days and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Well, let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the youths that eat of the King's dainties. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. Um, so he goes uh, from whatever this diet is, probably meat laden, I would assume, and um, and says, you know what? Let's uh, let's get some vegetables in here. You know the the you know the pulse, the the vegetables. Um, uh, and so they, you know, he he comes here with this reasonable response, and uh, says, well, let's have let's have a ten day test here. All right. There's a 10 day uh, case study, if you will. And uh, let's see what what happens now. Uh, just to sum everything up, comes back. They look better than the rest of the people. And uh, uh, but I, I want to focus on on this thing here. You know, they they made sure that they were not defiling themselves and they made sure um they even, you know, set this this test up, this precedent here. Said, "Hey, give us ten days. You know what? If if it doesn't work out, so be it. You know, uh, but you know, there, I think there's a lesson for us when it comes to dads, and that is, um, you know, they gave this uh, 
this 10 days uh, to see how it was going. Um, of course, you know, they knew what was going to happen. You know, God was taking care of them. Um, but uh, what about us? What can we do as dads when it comes to the spiritual welfare of our homes? What can we do in 10 days? You know, um, what what is it that, um, uh, you know, if we make a change, let me ask you this question, Chase. If we make a change, um, will everything clear up in 10 days? I mean, is it going to just be perfect after 10 days? I think it's uh, various estimates have been given. Various studies have been done on this as it pertains to uh, trying to form a new habit. And I've always heard that it was uh, maybe two or three weeks uh, for something to become a habit. Uh, one study that I found said that it takes an average of 66 days to oh, form yeah. a habit. And yeah. that particular scientific study had some who were quicker, some that were later, but the average was 66 days. That's a little over two months. So mm-hmm. the point being, if we want to get into a routine and establish that routine and keep with it, we've got to make up our minds. We've got a purpose in our hearts, like we said previously, that we're going to be in it for the long Paul, you know, we're not going to, as as uh, New Year's resolutions are notorious for, we're not going to say we're going to do it. And then two weeks later, we we give up and we throw in the towel. No, we've right. got to set a goal for our family that, hey, this is legit. This is extremely important. We are going to stick with this as a family. And uh, yeah, there might be a few bumps in the road here and there might be some setbacks. But when those setbacks do occur. We don't use that as as an opportunity to throw in the towel. No, we use those setbacks as an opportunity to look at what we're doing and say, you know what? We messed up this night, but we're going to fix it the next night. And I think we've got to have that mindset or else, you know, we're not going to accomplish what we are desiring to accomplish. Yeah, I think you just kind of jogged my memory on on a couple of things, Um, you know, an illustration I give and then. one that's closely associated to it, but just both on this thought of running, um, you know, if I want to get out and run a marathon, um, that's not going to happen in a week. Right. It's not going to happen in 10 days. You know, people, like you said, you know, with the, um, with the, the thought of like getting in shape or losing weight or something like that, the first of the year, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to do this. And then like a couple of weeks and they're out, you know? Um, you you gotta you gotta overcome that adversity. It's not going to happen. You didn't get uh, you know um, you know you didn't get overweight overnight. It took some time, right? And you're not going to get back in shape overnight. It's going to take some time. And the same thing happens spiritually. But uh, I want to give you this uh, uh, you know um, you know piece of advice for for dads out there. Um, I, I was listening to somebody that. Um, was uh, a marathoner and uh, they, they took their daughter out and uh, she was running with her mom and, uh, and, and partway through the race, you know, she's like, I think she hit the wall or something, you know, and she needed to bust through the wall to be able to finish the race. And so she hit the wall and then uh, she said, uh, she said, mom, why are we doing this? And her mom said, we're practicing not giving up. And great. you know, with all this, you got to practice not giving up. You just right. got to make sure that you uh, continue on. Nothing is fixed overnight. You got to keep at it. Yeah. Any other thoughts you have there? Uh, well, 
not specifically, but I was just, I was reminded of another similar kind of deal. I saw one time a little video and this, uh, this girl looked like she was running cross country or something for the first time. And she's kind of running up to the camera. The parents were filming her. And uh, she goes, I hate this. <laughs> she's like, this is awful. But anyways, uh, it just, you know, it reminds me. Yeah, we feel that way in the midst of whatever. I mean, I'm a big hiker. I love going hiking. And I've done two, three mile hikes. I've always told people if I ever had the time, it would take like three or four months or maybe more. I don't know. If I had the time when I was retired or something and was still in shape, I would hike the Appalachian Trail, which oh, is yeah. from like from like Georgia to Maine. I mean, right. I, I love it. But there there are some hikes I've been on where I'm like, man, this is this is hard. You know, this is a strenuous hike. But you get to that waterfall at the end of the trail uh, or whatever it is that you're hiking to. You are like, this was totally worth it. And so right. just metaphorically there, when we reach our family goals that we're trying to set as the spiritual leaders of our home, uh, yeah, we might we might hate the process, so to speak, just in the sense of the growing pains of having to to grow and level up, if you will. Um, but when we get there, we're going to look back and be like, man, it was so worth it. Yeah, yeah, that's it is worth it. You know, I, I have often found that anything that is worth doing takes a whole lot of effort. Yeah, it's the easy stuff that you're like, eh, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, right. but the things that take effort and time are the things that are most worth doing. I mean, that's the same thing with parenting. Um, it's not easy. Um, you know, we've we've got you know between the two of us, we got varying ages of kids, and uh, it is not easy. Of course, I've I've got five with one on the way, almost here. And so about to have six kids in my arms, you know, and, um, and I love it. I love it. And people come up to me all the time. Like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it with six kids and or five kids. And, and I'm like, man, yeah, I don't know how you do it with one. It, yeah. it is hard. The parenting right. is hard and it's, it's consistent. You have to be consistent. And of course, dads have uh, a little bit more, um, of a difficulty if they're at work and then they're working all day and then they come home and they've only got a few hours with the kids and um, you know, you, you've got to take advantage of the time you've been given. And it's even such a, such a great part of the day though. Love it, it is. I love when those oh, kids yeah. come running through the door, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You walk in, everybody's like running and right. I love it when I've been outside working on something and I've been outside for a long time and I come back in and they're like, dad, and then I'm like, oh, no, I'm really dirty, guys. You know? right. <laughs> like, but yeah, no, um, it is a great part of the day. And dads have to remember that it's an important part of the day. Yeah. Um, we don't quit parenting because we're tired. And right. we don't quit parenting and leading uh, spiritually um, because we, you know, have better things, I guess, in mind to do. We want to sit down and watch the game or we want to, you know, relax or whatever. Well, yeah. you still got a job to do. So we still need to do that job. Absolutely. All right. Looking on, we had some good stuff there. We're going to try to finish this up in, in record time here, but um, let's look at uh, Daniel chapter three. So, you know, we, we, uh, we talked about, you know, stand out from the crowd, you know, he, he, Daniel, was not going to uh, just be a part of the crowd. He wasn't just going to follow follow suit. But then also we see that 
you know, I, I believe just kind of reading between the lines here, Daniel must have had such a great influence on uh, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah because of what happens in Daniel chapter three. They see what happens when you stand up and you do the right thing. So the, the next point I want to make is stand up for the Lord. So let's look at Daniel chapter three. Uh, we're not going to be able to go into all this in, in great detail, but um, uh, there there are three points that are typically made in this passage. And uh, I know Chase has probably preached a sermon with these same three points. And I don't know who was the first one to do this, but I'm a firm believer. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And that is the three points from Daniel three are they wouldn't bow. They wouldn't bend and they wouldn't burn. And I tell you, that's pretty powerful when you think about it, just like that. They, they wouldn't bow. Now, um, in the first 13 verses of chapter three, uh, you know, I think we're pretty familiar with this, but you know, Nebuchadnezzar has, um, has made this golden image. Now I really wish that we had time and that it really fit the purposes of this lesson. It does not fit the purposes, but in, in Daniel chapter two, you see the, the coming of the church is a prophecy about the church and what happens. Well, there's this, this big statue, and the statue has uh, different parts of, of different metal and, and then down to, to you know, uh, clay even as part of it. But it, there, there are various types of metal uh, that make up this, this uh, image in this dream. And Daniel interprets the dream form. Well, it seems like that maybe it got a little to his head because the very top was him. And he's made of gold. Now, what does he do? I'll just make a whole image of gold. Hey. All right, I'm the gold guy. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> so um, it looks like he he's done just that. Uh, hey, look, I got a big old giant giant golden image of myself. Um, but um, just just thinking about this, they uh, there was this time that was allotted that if you heard all this music happening and and uh, uh, all this happening, it was time for you to bow down. And worship the image. Now, they uh, they go about about this, and this is commanded. Well, guess what? There are three people who just won't do it. They don't bow down. Um, now, I love this passage. Uh, I love this whole chapter. I, I don't know how many times I've preached this chapter. It's one of those lessons that if I get to preach it, I'm going to preach it because I love it. It's, it's a back, great. It's your back pocket. Sorry. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a, this, this in Psalm one, I've got these all the time, you know, love the, these passages. Um, but they, they wouldn't bow, you know, here comes the music and they're told, Hey, look, if, um, if you don't do it, you know, there are going to be some consequences here. Right. And so, but, um, they won't bow down. Now you look at this and, um, and, and not to jump ahead here, we're going to see some things that Nebuchadnezzar uh, comes out and says about this. But uh, they've got the the image of gold here, and uh, they're they're to bow down. But then the three men don't bow down. But here's the question: How many other Jews were there? How many other Hebrew people were there? Mm -hmm. And they bow down. I mean, probably a lot. Yeah, I would think that there's a lot there. And so they there's there's three guys that go, 
no, we're not going to do this. And, uh, you know, number one, they're being obedient to the Lord. They're not going to bow down to a graven image. They know, they know those passages. Not going to do that. But at the same time, all these other people do. And, you know, I, I think about this when people go, you know, well, God knows my heart. You know, you, you think, is that what all those people were doing? Maybe so, right? God God knows my heart. You know, I, I, I'm going to bow down, but God knows where, where my heart really is. Um, that doesn't matter to these three men. They're not going to do it. You know, um, when it comes to dads, you know, whether it's the secular world, the religious world, you know, um, what are things that happen in this world um, that, you know, dads bow down to in essence? Well, I think that the, uh, the biggest one currently is, uh, I'll say it this way, the alphabet agenda. Yeah. And uh, if it gets us banned from this particular platform, then so be it. But uh, we cannot bow to that. We cannot kowtow to it. We cannot support it. We cannot agree with it. Um, Romans 1 verse 32 is very clear. It says not only those that do the various things that were mentioned previously in Romans chapter 1, including homosexuality, uh, but also those who are approving of those who do those things. So we cannot approve of those things. Does that mean that we mistreat people who are involved in these particular practices? We don't mistreat them. But we do not approve of them. We do not uh, uh, agree with them. We we do not uh, support it in any way. Now, what if a dad, let's say uh, hypothetically, is in a situation at work where uh, the the company atmosphere is, hey, we're going to have a, a support day. We're going to have a support month, and we require everybody to attend, and we require everybody to participate. If I'm a dad in that situation, I'm not doing it. And if it costs me my job, so be it. We have to stand for the truth. And we do so in love, absolutely, Ephesians 4.15, but we have to stand for the truth. And some of the current things that are going on right now are totally contrary to the truth of God's Word. And if we're not willing to stand in situations like that, how in the world can we read Daniel chapter 3 here and insert ourselves into that that similar situation and count ourselves faithful. We can't. We have to look at these examples that are given to us in this book, which end up making their way to Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith. We have to look at these examples for ourselves and say, look, if I were in their situation, I would have needed to do the same thing that Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael did. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if I'm in a situation today, maybe it's the alphabet agenda or what have you, I have to still not bow down to these things. Right. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things that we could throw in here. Um, That's a big one today for sure. Uh, A lot of of things are going on um, in society with with that so-called cause. but yeah, no, we don't need to bow down to that. You know, we don't need to bow down to, you know, things. I think about this in the religious sense. Um, there are a lot of people that uh, want you to bow down to just accepting all sorts of beliefs. Um, you know, oh, don't, you know, you know, uh, uh, this is this is one that I've heard several times. 
Uh, you know, we need to be more loving. We need to preach on, on love more. Um, and I, I simply just ask this question when that comes up. Um, no, look, preaching on love is great. I love, I love that. Um, but I can't only preach on that because if I only preach on that, I don't love something very important. And that is God. Uh, I need to preach the whole counsel of God. And that means I'm going to have to bring up some things that um, maybe are not the most pleasant. Um, and people disagree yeah. with it. Yeah, you have something else to say there? No, I was just thinking I'm, I'm working up a sermon right now on uh, John 1, 14, grace and truth. Right. You know, it takes both. Jesus came and he brought both. And they're, right. not, mutu- they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, we can't gravitate to one without the other and vice versa. We've got to preach the truth in love. We've got to preach the grace and the truth. And to, to preach one with to the exclusion of the other leads to to grave, grave error. Right. Yeah. Now, you've, you've got to preach everything. Um, you need to be balanced in your preaching. Um, so, yeah, no, that's good. And then, two dads need to be balanced in their teaching. Yeah, we need to teach, yeah. um, teach the, our children that God loves them. But we also need to teach them how to be obedient and to steer away from uh, evil things and to speak up when you need to and, and all those things. So dad, dads have a have a big, big job when it comes to uh, teaching our kids, you know, not to bow down to society here. All right, let's look at another point here. Uh, so they wouldn't bow. And they wouldn't bend. And I'm going to read part of this uh, uh, section here because um, it, it it shows something, I think, very specific about Nebuchadnezzar and his mindset here. Um, but it says, uh, so verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said unto them, Is it of purpose, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you serve not my God, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? I mean, you know, I don't know what he's exactly what he's going for here. Do you have a bad back or something? Your knee's hurting. Can you not bow down? I don't know exactly exactly you have, what do you he's have saying. An excuse? Yeah. Is there What's some excuse? Yeah. So it, it sounds like almost he's being reasonable. It sounds even more reasonable to come because it says, now, if you'd be ready at, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, but, uh, harp, harp, sackbutt, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if you worship not, you shall be cast at the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So, um, so look, I'm being reasonable here. You know, and you know what? I think so many people, when they look at this, they go, well, you know, okay, so maybe it's been reasonable. Uh, you want to go back and worship the image? Okay, go ahead. He didn't like kill him right off the bat. So, but if you don't do it, I will kill you. You know, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. Um, but here, he's been, been a reasonable guy. And, you know, sometimes I think people do this in so many ways. Like, I think people do this with their job a lot. Um they uh, they know we not need to be putting God first, but you know, here you know my my job they're being reasonable. They're like I don't have to work all the time like this, and so. But now you know I'm uh, this month I'm going to you know be away from worship on these many occasions, you know. And but you know my boss is reasonable. I'm not going to have to do this for another few months, or you know. But uh, they they bend on that. Um, you know. You think about about other things. I don't, can you think of other things that dads might uh, compromise with today when it comes to just kind of bending to society or bending religiously? Uh, yeah. What about uh, sports worship? Oh, now, yeah. Now, now, look, I'm a big sports fan. I think you you have your teams as well. But um, 
I think I might have said this on the podcast before. I know I've said it on Everyday Christian. Uh, there was a time where we missed the team pictures because they rescheduled them to a Wednesday night. Right. And yep. it, it didn't take me two seconds to make that decision. I said, well, we're not going to be in the team pictures. And I was sad. I wanted to have pictures of – I was I was an assistant coach, and Andrew was on the team. I wanted to have those pictures, but I wasn't missing Wednesday yeah. night Bible study for that. So sports worship is a big one, and it is a huge problem. I mean, even in the church, very much so. Uh, sports idolatry, I would say. Uh, another one would be uh, just the mindset, the general mindset of just follow your heart. Right. Follow your heart. You can't go wrong. Uh, we know what the Bible teaches about that. Uh, yeah. Your heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And yeah. then uh, just misplaced priorities in general. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, verse 33. And uh, that doesn't always take place as it should. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you kind of mentioned attendance problems. Uh, when I am preaching on attendance, by the way, usually when I do preach on it, the people who need to hear it aren't there, of course. <laughs> but but uh, when I preach on attendance, I, I try to always remember to say this. Failure to attend is not a Hebrews 10.25 problem uh, only because it's first and foremost a Matthew 6.33 problem. Those yeah, folks yeah. are not seeking first the kingdom of God. So right. misplaced priorities. What about feminism? Let's just throw that in there, man. Um, and in other philosophies and and postmodernism and different things that are being pushed uh, in the secular sphere and even in the schools, etc., that right. uh, are pushing people away from biblical truth, uh, biblical family roles, yeah. etc., and the results have been disastrous. So that's that's a few that came to my mind. Right. And I know that, that um, uh, maybe this sounds a little bit harsh, but, you know, I'm, I'm primarily speaking to adult men here. Um, and that is, uh, man, listen, don't you dare call yourself a man and let your wife lead spiritually. Don't do Amen. it. You can't. You've got to lead. Don't let her do it. Um, she'll do it if you won't. But don't give her an opportunity to do that. You lead that family. And if you're guilty of not leading man up and say, you know what? I'm right. sorry. I'm going to leave now. I uh, right. appreciate you for stepping in and filling in as best you could, but I'm sorry for that. You should not have had to done that because yeah. I am the one, the buck stops with me uh, as God has defined in my role. And so right. you need to think about that. Uh, any of our listeners that are, that know they're not leading the way they should just step up, man up, get it done and apologize if you haven't been doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've talked about some of this in the past, but it's so important to say every now and then we need to remember that. All right. So they wouldn't bend. And then coincidentally or not coincidentally, <laughs> they would not burn. Of course, I I love uh, what uh, what is said here. Where was that verse? Uh, 17 and 18. Yeah. 17, 18. I've got it yeah. underlined. And oh, yeah. You know what? Go ahead and read it. I love this passage. Right. I want to hear you read it. Go ahead. If that is the case, this is the New King James Version. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That, that is, That's cream of the crop right there. 
that's grade A manly right there. <laughs> you know, hey, that, what? That's uh, intestinal fortitude. Yeah, that's right. You know, look, um, you know, our God can save us, but guess what? Even if he doesn't, we are not going to bow down and serve this false God. Right. There's no way. Yep. You know, I love that. Okay. So they then, of course, in the next uh, several passages, then they don't burn. And, of course, we probably know this one very well. This is one of those. Uh, if you went to Bible class at all growing up, you heard this at some point in time. Or uh, vacation Bible school. Vacation Bible school, yeah. yeah. So um, they wouldn't burn. And, um, uh, yeah, I think just, you know, for sake of time, you know, because we've already gone a little way, ways here. Um, but um, for sake of time, the direct result here for us is, um, you know what, if we follow God, then we won't burn. And I just think about that eternally. Um, we we need to serve God. You know, God has uh, uh, promised us an eternity in heaven. Uh, and so if we if we don't bow and we don't bend, then we're not going to burn. We got to stay faithful. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, just kind of as we're getting ready to wrap up, uh, I know we did have something on on the uh, outline about. You know, what if God doesn't deliver us? You know, they said, these young men said, you know, even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still we're still going to do the right thing. We're not going right. to bow down. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes God does allow people to be martyrs for his cause. We right. see that in church history. We see that in the New Testament uh, with Stephen and, and James and others. Um, you know, that may happen. I'm thinking about... Uh, Matthew 24, verse 9, it says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 10, the church, uh, one of the seven churches of Asia there, was told to be faithful unto death, to the point of death. And they were going to face some intense persecution. You read the, the verses leading up to Revelation 2, 10. But Jesus tells them, tells them, you know what? Be faithful unto death. You'll receive the crown of life. Um so we have to remember that as it pertains to the ultimate end goal of our lives. Right. And also Matthew 10, verse 28, I think is an important one. That's where Jesus says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. We need to right. fear God. Fear God and keep his commandments. Uh, Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, one of my favorite verses. And uh, that means that when it comes to the forces outside of God's will that are trying to get us to capitulate, trying to get us to bend the knee to whatever it is, take your pick. Uh, we have to not fear those things. We have to fear God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, um, you know, the, the idea of you're, you're going to face some, you know, persecution, yeah, and yea, all that living uh, godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, Paul told that to Timothy. Um, we're we're going to uh, if we're going to live right, we're gonna we're gonna suffer persecution, and that's just that's just it. Um, you know, um, I, I've made this uh, you know comment before. I think people take it lightly, and um, but I know that I've faced this. I know you've faced this. I know. You know, uh, if Scott were here, he would say he's faced this. I know. Um, but uh, the the idea that, 
you know, some people go, well, I've not faced persecution. Well, um, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You've got, you, you know, the, the Christian life, I know like some people want to go, Oh, it's so easy. And they, you know, you see these people living these denominational lifestyles and look at, Oh, look how easy this is. Um, you know, really it's, it's not an easy lifestyle. It is certainly the best lifestyle. And, uh, and we've got to, we got to stay faithful. We've not been promised an easy life. Yeah. We've been promised the best life that leads us to eternity. Well, I think we, we look at that strong word persecution and sometimes we think that, uh, that a default setting of, of Christians is that strong persecution, like the, the martyrdom that we read in, uh, in acts and other places, but there are other forms of persecution too. And, uh, it could be anything from simply humiliation to losing a job, to losing friends and family, all that are forms of persecution. And I do believe sadly that at least in this location where we're, we're at in the United States, we're heading towards more and more severe persecution. Mm -hmm. Um, but we are promised some of it. Now, I also think it's important for us to be praying uh, for the peace of of where right. we live and and trying to uh, live, you know, quiet and peaceable lives as uh, as Paul told Timothy as well. Um, but we are guaranteed at least some forms of persecution, and so we right. just better we just better accept that and be okay with that, and um, and realize that whatever it is that we go through in life, it'll all be worth it in, in the end. Kind of like we talked about earlier about you know the hike. You know, if right. you will. the waterfall at the end, the beautiful view or whatever, it's worth all the difficulty that you face to get there. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess that's all we've got for this week. It's been a, a great episode again. Uh, or uh, sorry to have, um, you know, uh, Scott having to leave. But um, uh, we're thankful to continue this on between the two of us and uh, thankful for all the work that he's done. Uh, join us next time for the uh, season finale, I guess, if you will, of uh, uh, Father Time for season two. Uh, we'll do an episode five, Enduring Manhood, part two. We'll finish up this thought. But uh, you guys keep the faith, keep studying the Bible. Dads, lead your families to heaven. Amen.